Yo, 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 check, check, one, two, check, one, two. This is Roots to Grooves. Not live, but we are live on TikTok on our little phone over there. We're just testing this out. Uh, yes. This is Jay Purcell. I'm Jesse Quigley. That makes this Roots to Grooves. Welcome, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. We're here to learn. We're here to laugh. And we're here to love. Yes. And uh, we're talking about the cinematic, the cinematic orchestra tonight out of the uk this was jay's pick yes um i've known about them for a very long time and uh and in thinking about artists to do for this show i uh i uh i'm getting to this point where i'm sort of kind of like wanting to find out more about artists that i know about that i've do you think you know about i think i know about i know musically but i don't really know the history behind kind of thing yeah so i'm i think i'm getting to that point now where i'm starting to suggest artists where i'm just like yeah okay i need to um talk about this jesse and uh see you know where this goes and uh what we find out about um the artists and uh their beginnings their background their approach to music and everything like that so yeah the beginnings but not their ends but no, exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, we have yet to cover an artist that is not releasing music anymore. Maybe we'll right. get to that point at some at some point. But, yeah. yeah, but yeah, not so far. But yeah, Cinematic Orchestra. I did not know anything about them. I might have heard the name. It yeah. sounded vaguely familiar. You'll know one track when we get to a, an album later on. I think you'll okay you'll recognize it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Remind me. Play that one. Yeah, we could yeah, probably yeah. maybe play that one for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're super stoked to be here stoke yeah uh just awesome thanks for joining us because we're here to listen to some new music for for me this is i i got to explore this cool new band um this cool new musician new group of musicians who i don't know anything about it um but tell me jason swinco yeah swinsco swinsco it sounded so familiar and he looks so familiar (laughs) where do i know this guy from um i I don't know, probably from nowhere. Like, I mean, it, it just, it feels, it's like a deja vu thing. I'm like, I feel like I've seen his face. I feel like I know his name. And I thought maybe we've talked about him before, but I couldn't put it together. We have, I've name dropped Cinematic Orchestra and his name before on a previous episode. It must have been that. I don't know um, which episode I name dropped that on. It doesn't explain why, why I recognize his face, but. Um, he looks like several people. I think he kind, <laughs> he kind of looks like uh the guy from oh what's what's that band with the the two people like the female singer and the one guy on the guitar it's like there's two of them just two in the band just two white stripes no kind of close but not he's british she's american no no, nothing's coming. Not, to mind. Nothing's coming. I can't. I, I picture them in my mind, but I can't remember their name right now. This is terrible. We've but talked about it before. No, but actually, now I'm thinking about it. We'll we'll do a show about that. So. <laughs> nice. There, that'll be next week. Um, well, she. Okay, let me just Google this real quick because she. Um, do you know Dead Weather with Jack White? One of Jack White's projects was called Dead Weather, which is really really good no. um uh i don't know how you describe it like solely rock blues rock 
is what yeah, okay. yeah yeah that's kind of what jack white's gotten into and i, I said white stripes but jack white is involved yeah. some yeah in, in dead, what we're dealing with so i'm getting that i'm getting that um allison mo moss Hart is the american singer she is in the kills i found it. okay the kills do you know the kills no okay <laughs> okay no well damn well that will be another artist with we'll you okay but um, i have a lot to learn in this episode uh viewers and listeners if you know about the kills um check them out and the only reason i mention this is because i think um the 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 guy in the kills looks a little bit like jason swinsco okay so that that's so that, that, was that rounds us out that's why we're but you don't know the kills so you probably yeah so it doesn't so matter to me exactly yeah i don't have the but you know like <clears> i said i'm here to learn and it's always a great opportunity to learn more stuff and uh, put all these connections together because all these musicians end up working with each other in, in, in ways you wouldn't expect sometimes. So. Exactly, yeah. But we're talking about cinematic orchestra. So who yeah. are these guys? They're British. They're from the UK. Yeah. They're, it's jazz, yeah. down-tempo. Um, I, I kind of want to throw some chill wave in there. They, they use some samples and some yeah. synthy stuff, would you say? Um, I mean, uh, Yeah, on their, on their latest stuff. Right, but not in but, the earlier stuff. Sure, yeah. I, w- I would yeah. agree, but yeah. not generally not like hip hop sample-y kind of stuff. No, it's mostly real instrumentation, mm-hmm. um, just real chill. Um, you know, like kind of quiet vibes. Like that yeah. that track you played that reminded me of Take Five. Oh yeah, um, yeah, Dave yeah. Brubeck. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably because of the time signature, but also yeah, yeah. kind of the bass line and drums kind of sounded like a similar beat. Yeah. Which maybe that just happens when, if you're doing a 5-4 song. Yeah, yeah, Um, But it was kind of a more beat from some of the other stuff they played because I was like, okay, cool, let me play this new band that Jay showed me that I got to do research for this week. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, wow, just real, real chill. Yeah. Real, I don't want to say low energy, but it's just like calm, yeah, yeah. chill, relaxed energy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they use a little bit of like electronic beats. Yeah, sometimes it, they're very interesting because I think the name says it all: cinematic orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, because their music is very cinematic. So, like, uh, yeah, yeah. In listening to it, it is a um, you know you are conjuring images in your own head. I mean, as we all do with all types of music, I think, but specifically with this group. Um, that's what's happening here. And, uh, and that was, uh, kind of by design, um, by Jason Swinsco, who is basically the main producer behind cinematic orchestra. Yeah. He's kind of the heart and soul of the kind of the, yeah, it's basically front man. Projects, if, yeah. if anybody's the front man in this group. Yeah. And, um, he specifically mentioned, um, the, the sound of cinematic orchestra is a fusion between, um, 60s jazz musicians like John Coltrane uh, and the cinematic world of Hitchcock. Alfred? Alfred Hitchcock, yeah. And um, and his longtime composer, I think it's Bernard Herrmann, um, who also did, he did all, pretty much all of the Hitchcock films and he was also convinced at a certain point, Martin Scorsese, Scorsese um, convinced him to do the soundtrack for Taxi Driver, which mm. is a little bit of a thing I, I want to play later on in this episode. I want to play okay. a, a, a track from the Taxi Driver soundtrack. Have you seen that movie? 
No. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm not getting all these references that you're dropping tonight. Another one on the uh, the movie watch list. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be like a two week. We have not been keeping at this point. We have not been keeping track of any of these movies, so we're going to have to manually go through each episode. But that's why we turn on the camera so we can eventually go back and we have it recorded somehow, some way. Yes. Yeah. So basically, like Jason Smithsko is melding these worlds together, kind of thing, to create the sound of cinematic orchestra. Mm -hmm. So if that gives a little bit of uh, a teaser to the people um, of what they sound like. Um, obviously, if you are on the audio versions of this and you heard the first intro track, that was a track from their first album called Motion, which came out in 1999. And so he does actually integrate sample-based um, approach to the music as well, which is another mm-hmm. interesting factor because it sounds like it is all just like live jazz music. And that's kind of what I was saying. Like, there's some samples, but, but it doesn't sound like yeah, samples. But the early days was like heavily sample based. Uh-huh. Like, it's where he got to that sound from. Basically, by sampling old soul records, old jazz records, old movie soundtracks, melding them together, and then integrating that with live musicians that would come into the studio and overdub, like drums and uh, horns and, and everything like that kind of thing. So, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what. Can you, do you have a little bit of background about um, what these guys have accomplished as a group? Because they've been around for a minute. Uh, yeah, they well, have like four studio yeah, LPs four, out. Four studio LPs. Um, first one, ninety nine, called Motion, um, which came out on Ninja Tune, and they're still on Ninja Tune. They've continued mm-hmm. to be on that label. And we've talked about other artists on the show. Bonobo is uh, also a Ninja on, also on Ninja Tune. Yeah, awesome. Um, and then uh, 2002, they came out with an album called Every Day. 2003, they came out with an album called Man with a Movie Camera. It's not a studio album, but it's we can talk a little bit about that later on. Mm-hmm. Um, which it was basically a live um, soundtrack to an old um, 1929 Soviet film documentary. <laughs> that would be interesting to we, watch. We're getting very deep on this episode. <laughs> yeah. And then 2007, Mafla, which is contains the song that i know you've heard that everyone that's heard, okay kind of thing yeah Mafleur. yeah and then uh 2012 they came out with in motion um it's not really considered one of their studio albums um and then 2022 believe so it was really 2002 that track that really hit hard called um i think it's called to build a home that is used on many film soundtracks and is probably what they're most known for and jason swinko always says that he's kind of shackled to that song at this point because everyone knows him for that but we're gonna get to it we'll yeah. talk about it um no i know some artists get pigeonholed sometimes when they come up with something that yeah hits a lot of people yeah but it's also a testament to how good the, that piece of art that they created was exactly yeah. so that's what we got going on for the cinematic orchestra yeah i mean in terms of accomplishments you know they're not a grammy type of band they're not a mercury music prize type of band i don't think although i think they should be we talked about mercury music prize yeah right on previous episodes but these guys aren't in the tabloids no you know they're not dating the hottest pop stars and (laughs) exactly breaking up with the hottest pop stars and having scandals here and there you know they're they're like some chill dudes yeah who want to make some super good music and they love music and and they, they just do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And even though there's been like one, they're in between two of their albums, there's like 12 years or something like that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, I don't know. They got a lot going on, and it's super cool. I've been excited to learn about these guys. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to hear more about what Jace has to say. Well, you know, um, from memory, because I couldn't find this in my research recently, but basically, like, I'm going to say this off the cuff right now, but I believe it to be true. This so is an off the cuff we'll, podcast. We'll, we'll take it to be true. Um, I, I believe at a certain point, Jason Swinsko worked for Ninja Chain a little bit in some, okay. in some capacity, like as a part-time staff member or whatever. Okay. And if people don't know about Ninja Chain, it's a, it's a massive uh, record label in the UK. Are they, are they, how massive is it compared to like Columbia or Universal? No, it's not on that level. It's like an underground thing, but they've, okay. but they've done so much stuff at this point that, you know, like Bonobo, being right. one of their big artists, um, they have so many other artists on there that I can't really <laughs> name off the top of my head kind of thing. But it started with Cold Cut and Cold Cut pioneered, we're, we're one of the pioneers of sample based music in the UK kind of thing. When I go to Subway, I get the cold cut combo. Yeah. You mentioned that on another episode when I mentioned I already said that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. That's <it's> ridiculous. <laughs> I shouldn't have made that joke then. It's a double joke. Um, and so cold cut were like these two guys that were making sample based music and they formed this label called Ninja Tune and they started uh, signing all of these kind of artists that were in their wheelhouse of like trip hop, down tempo, instrumental hip hop. Um, all kind that of jazzy of or new jazzy new of, jazz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that type of stuff. New as in N-U. Yeah, yeah. Right? And um, and I think like uh, Jason Squinsco, when he was starting out making music, he did reference DJ Shadow as someone mm-hmm. that he wanted to create music. Another artist that keeps coming up in yeah, a lot yeah. of episodes, yeah, yeah. even though we don't mean to make any connections. Yeah. And so, and, and, it, and I think he like, when he started to do the early cinematic orchestra stuff he was sending demos to the other guys at ninja tune and they were giving him advice uh-huh. about like what he could change and stuff like that and, right and that's kind of how it sort of progressed a little bit i'm saying this is off of memory because i know i heard him say that on a like an interview like that i watched probably more than 10 years ago so <laughs> but i be- it's in my head for some reason so i believe it to be true it's there for a reason yeah um um, but that's kind of a side thing. Um, we, yeah, we should say that. So basically, yeah, Jason Swinsko is the guy behind it. He actually started out just uh, studying fine arts in Cardiff, Cardiff College in Wales, in UK. Okay. And uh, he said it was a pretty open um, course where he could uh, change departments. So he would like, uh, experiment with painting and photography and filmmaking mm-hmm. and everything like that. And he said at that point it was just open an open world for him and he wasn't really connecting the dots between any of it. Right. And um, But in terms of music, he actually started when he was younger, when he was like, I think like six years old, he uh, wanted to... Uh, he, he convinced his parents that he to get him a guitar kind of thing and uh so he uh went to this music shop and was testing out all these acoustic guitars and he was like a tiny little kid and his arms wouldn't reach around the guitars kind of Mm -hmm. thing and so he asked them if they had anything smaller and they went out into the back and they got kind of a smaller guitar and they brought it out to him and something he could like wrap his hands around like the neck of the frets and everything like that and so that that's what he got 
And he went home. And for the next like couple of years, basically, he said he spent his whole time listening to tracks on the radio, like pop tracks, and trying to figure out how to play them. Mm-hmm. And he always thought it was really difficult because he was like stretching his hands in like weird positions to like try and mimic the notes that he was hearing, sort of thing. And it wasn't until like he spoke to like a, a music tutor or some teacher that tuned his guitar for him. So he was basically trying to figure out all of these songs on an untuned guitar. And which is yeah. un- impossible. Which is impossible, which is why he was stretching his hands in weird contorted <laughs> positions and stuff. So when he oh, got man. he finally got his guitar tuned and then he continued on that path of basically teaching himself how to play guitar by um trying to figure out what he was hearing on the radio and trying to mimic it and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So that's yeah. great because one yeah. of the ways, you know, I, I remember the story, I think I learned it in school about Ben Franklin or uh, Thomas Edison. Who's the one who flew the kite? Or who? No, Thomas Edison made the light bulb, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And like, there's like a story, I don't know how true it is or whatever, but, or, or just the sentiment behind it. But like he, he came out with 101 ways of how not to make a light bulb work. Oh, okay. But going through that process is what allowed him to figure out what you do need to make a light bulb work. Hmm. And I see that in all aspects of life. You hmm. know, failure is a, a is a huge part of success. Mm-hmm. So if you can fail a lot, mm-hmm. you're going to learn how to do something that's not a failure. Yeah. And so, like, that's kind of the vibe based on what you're saying. Yeah. That I'm getting at least. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, which is cool. So I mean. So yeah, I mean, Jason's. Let me back up a, a second because I, yeah. I got a guy. I got to name the other guys in this band, yeah. or who have been associated with the band at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the the other guy, the like, he was a drummer, Luke Flowers. Yeah, I think he's like kind of the second. Yeah, yeah. man, like the second hand man to Jason. Yeah, as far as I was saying, at least in contemporary times, um, and then Phil France, mm-hmm. Tom Chant, Nick Rom. Mm-hmm. And I hope I'm pronouncing this all right. Stuart McClell, McCallum. Okay. Yeah. I think, and then there's some past members we'll name real quick, you know, because I got them on my notes. Jamie Coleman, T, Daniel Howard, Federico Ugi, <laughs> Alex James, yeah. Patrick Carpenter, Clean Sadness. Clean Sadness. Yeah. I don't know. That's I don't know name? the story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I'll I'll research that on the uh, on a break maybe because that's interesting yeah. name. But so basically, what I'm saying is, there's been a, a couple of people coming in and out of the band. Yeah, as they progressed, yeah. that sounds about right. Yeah, um, Jason Swinsko has been like the the one main heart and soul of the of the group. Yeah, just to get that clear. Yeah. Um. So I, I guess we're up to the the point where he was in school. Like I think we mentioned, and the school was Cardiff College. Mm-hmm. And that's in Wales, like you said? Yeah. Cool. And this was about 1990, and this is when he formed his first group. Yeah, yeah. Which was uh, Crab Ladder. Yeah. Does that sound correct? Yeah, yeah. Which was a uh, punk, rock, jazz, fusion. Sounds Something fun like to me. Something like that. Yeah, I, did, yeah. I didn't look it up. Yeah. I always regret when I don't look it up, but there's we have a lot, long list of things we have to look up before yeah, yeah. secondary stuff to look up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that would be a fun project. Is that like a real project? Is it released still? I haven't even... I, no. I'll I look think, it up on Spotify right now. I don't think they released anything. I think they uh, were just like a live band kind of thing. 
right. that type of situation. Um, yeah, it doesn't look like there's anything on Spotify. Yeah. Just... Um, I think there was something on all music. I saw the name linked. Okay. To something. I didn't follow that link. Well, that, that's what's <laughs> interesting. When we, were, when we were researching these artists, some of them only have stuff, a particular album on Bandcamp or something mm-hmm. that's just only on YouTube mm-hmm. or something. So they have these these cool like works of art from back in their day that wasn't fully, quote unquote, fully released. Yeah. Um, but it exists out there. But they did, so they did, he did say Crabbler's fusion of jazz and hardcore punk elements with experimental rhythms inspired Jason Swinsco to further explore the possibilities of sampling. Mm-hmm. And so by the time the group's demise in uh, mid-90s, he was DJing at various clubs and pirate radio stations in the UK. So that's something kind of he went into by that right. period and delved into sampling, yeah. Which I was just going to say as a you know fun fact, a pirate radio station. That's I've I've listened to some podcasts about that. Yeah, and it's basically a radio station that just doesn't have the uh, proper legal credentials to be a radio station. Yeah. So kind of like pirates, yeah. you know, you know, pillage and burn and do whatever they want. They're kind of living outside of the rules of society. And so there was a famous uh, case of this in the UK called Radio Caroline. Where, right. where they um, basically uh, set up their radio studio on a ship. Right, and this was in the podcast I was listening to, yeah, which yeah, is, yeah. it just sounds so yeah. and they took wacky. And they took it off the shores of England, so it was just outside of British waters, so it was in international waters, and so they couldn't, no be, rules. Touched, couldn't be touched by the UK government. And it was a right. big thing, and it was massive. And uh, I, like my parents' generation, mm-hmm. I know people... I've met people that used to listen to it a lot, like in the 60s and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, crazy. Going back to the 60s and you're like, this is my station. Some guy's on a boat in international waters (laughs) and he's got some good music. Yeah, yeah. This is my station. And they'd literally do shifts out there on the boat. They'd like do, they'd like wake up at seven and I mean, they're out there. Like, they're not just going out there into the the bay. Like, they're out there for months. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. This is the most extreme example of pirate radio. Usually right. it's like people just broadcasting on FM airwaves and uh, just, uh, you know, keep having a on lookout. On their ham radio or something. Yeah. yeah. When, uh, you know, when uh, people aren't like harassing them, police and cops and shit and whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, just a cool idea because you can research that. There's some... I think I heard it on um, a podcast called Stuff You Should Know. Yeah, I, yeah. It was a, it was about pirate, pirate radio stations. Nice. Yeah. Just in general. And it's just an interesting part of history mm-hmm. about, you know, if you like music and how music is, you know, how, how you can reach out yeah. to, to share music yeah. and how people are discovering music and how far people are willing to go to, to share music. To, yeah, yeah. I got a ship. I'm going to go illegally out to the international waters that part's not illegal but yeah I, I don't know i don't know that much about it if anybody well, knows any cool facts hit us up but um well now it's, it's not like illegal like how illegal was it i mean it's illegal because you need a license to broadcast on fm radio waves which that seems so yeah. totalitarian kind of yeah like controlling like you can't broadcast signals yeah 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 so like yeah <laughs> I, mean, I mean well you know, am hey, i wrong no, like, is uh, so I don't know if you know about this, but in the UK, um, 
we have a thing called a TV license. Mm-hmm. So every household in the UK has to pay um, X amount of dollars a year to have a TV. Like a tax? Yeah. It's a TV Just license. to have a TV. Yeah, but most of that money goes to the BBC, British Broadcasting Corporation. BBC has always been killing it with content, right? Yeah, yeah. They're, <laughs> they're just... <laughs> They were A the plus content nation, creators, right? yeah. yeah, yeah. So they used to have all these vans uh, that went around the country and they drive around neighborhoods, kind of thing, and they detect illegal TV signals, and then they go into people's households and they'd like find them for having a TV. And there. some dude in his mom's basement running yeah, some exactly. pirate radio station. Yeah. <laughs> so like, there's all this thing. sharing music. Yeah. Oh no. It's funny. I don't really know of any stories of pirate radio in the US. I don't know about that. But in the UK, it's like a big thing. And uh, yeah, it'd be great. Like sometimes I'd be driving around with my, my dad in the car as a kid. And you're like, you're driving through London. And you're scanning the airwaves. And you just pick up like a pirate signal. It's all staticky. It's yeah. all fuzzy. But you can yeah. it's there. You it's got just it. like one dial between like a couple of frequencies sort of thing. Yeah. You just pick it up like for a few neighbor blocks or whatever kind of thing. Um, interesting stuff. We are digressing. No, for sure. <laughs> but what an interesting topic yeah, to, yeah, to yeah, discuss. Yeah. But that's not yeah, what we're yeah. here for. We're talking about cinematic orchestra here on Roots to Grooves. But he did DJ <laughs> on uh, Pirate Asus. And, you know, in this day and age, it's so easy to start a station. We start a signal and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're not on FM or whatever. That would be hard to do. Also, there's no li- they're not get. By the way, people, they're not giving out FM licenses in the US anymore. So even if you wanted to get a license, you can't because they're not giving them out. So now you have to become a part of uh, some conglomerate station that already exists oh, yeah, and yeah. become part of their yeah, yeah. ecosystem. You so can't to get a frequency. Yeah, you'd have to be like yeah. That's insane. I mean, I understand there's a lot of people in the world, or in America yeah. at least, yeah. and everywhere else, of course. Yeah. So there's some some level of. Um. Uh, yeah, I can't think of the word saturation. Yeah, yeah. Just like musical artists, it's yeah, yeah. it's it's saturated. There's a lot of music yeah. coming out. It's easier than ever to make and produce music. Yeah. And same for radio. It's easier than ever to share music and be a part of these wavelengths and radio waves. But I guess I don't know. I I, I don't know much about this topic. I guess, but it's very interesting to me. Yeah. How, why is that illegal? Why can't you just shoot a radio wave out there? I don't know. I think it's like a hangover of old rules, right? You know, because mm, uh, yeah. FM, you know, radio waves are open signals, kind of like the internet in a way. And uh, yeah, but there's only a certain band of frequencies that you can use. And that's finite. Yeah. And so that's why there's a, yeah. only kind of a, a finite amount of people who can take yeah, over yeah. these airwaves so they yeah. and they don't want people setting up stations and just like spewing whatever they want whatever they want like hate stuff or racism or whatever it is kind of thing free so, speech yeah free speech which, which, so <laughs> all that as well yeah, and anyway speech, yeah <laughs> different topic interesting nonetheless it is a whole world. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very interesting well, world. Well I'm glad we got to touch on the pirate radio thing. So yeah yeah. But yeah that's what so Jason Swinsko was yeah. was up in there a little bit into that. Yeah, kind of. he, yeah, yeah. He he did a little bit of that DJing um, on some of those pirate stations. Yeah, because like even though it's illegal, there were some big stations that for sure. Kind of managed to scrape by a little bit, even if they didn't really succeed. 
they kind of succeeded in the way that the, the, the shows that they put on and the DJs they put on, mm-hmm. some of those people were able to go on and create careers um, outside of that. Yeah. Um, like Giles Peterson, who I've brought up before, major inspiration to me. Mm-hmm. Um, he started out on pirate radio. He's like a massive uh, DJ, cool. radio DJ in the UK and DJs live as well around the world playing all kinds of funky stuff, jazzy stuff. Yeah. I love the funk. I love the yeah, jazz. Yeah, yeah. I love the groove. Yeah. So that's cool. So we're talking about we're like mid nineties. Yes. What does he do? Does he finish school? Does he drop out? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't know anything about his degree, but I know that he finished school, um, college and, uh, it was a degree he was doing. So I guess mm-hmm. probably university or whatever. Yeah, kind of thing. At Cardiff, yeah. Cardiff college in, yeah. in UK. And, uh, you know, his crab ladder band had dissolved at that point. And it was at that point where he um, uh, really sort of started um, delving into the music and uh, realizing that that was his creative output. After everything else he'd been studying, um, he realized, and I don't think he studied music at fine art college either it was like it was all visual art and Mm -hmm. so you know the music part of it i mean he was already doing the music part of it while you know trying to learn teach himself guitar from the age of six all the way up until you know he was older so swinsco definitely has a history with uh with music in general yeah yeah yeah. and And, uh so i guess it wasn't until after he graduated that he you know started to piece those things together right and uh and create the sound of cinematic orchestra so. mm-hmm. yeah which so that brings us to the first album cinematic orchestra's debut album motion yeah and so that's 1999 yeah right right in the midst of uh y2k i guess <laughs> um but yeah, it was yeah. it was a critical su- success it was great yeah and it was it was received well um and they got to perform at the director's guild Mm. award ceremony mm-hmm. um which i was a for, li- uh, lifetime achievement award for stanley kubrick yeah yeah and he, you know he's huge exactly and so that's a that's a huge honor to be able to play a show yeah. like that yeah, yeah. and it, i mean that's pretty crazy that you can do that off of one album yeah that that's a testament to how good that album is and how good you are as a artist or or, or at least a marketer for your music yeah <laughs> and it's a, it's a very interesting album because if you listen to it it sounds very jazzy but um, Jason said about it that he said it was a total exploration by himself. Mm-hmm. And um, he said there were musicians involved doing live overdubs and a couple of drum things. He said, but generally it was all sampled. And uh, he used, to name some old equipment, he used a Mac Performer C630. I don't even know what that is, a Mac Performer 630. And an S3000 Akai sampler and Cubase. And it was all MIDI, MIDI mm-hmm. stuff. Um, was was there live instrumentation on that, or was for it, the overdubs? Yeah, he had some people come through, to but do primarily. But um, the basis of it was all sample based. Sampled, yeah. like you said. Okay, cool. And he said he had a maximum of three seconds to, of sample time for each sample. <laughs> yeah, like three seconds. And he said that limitation was actually a really good thing. Um, and he was working in mono. He didn't even have stereo. Hmm. So he he did that whole album. He released it without ever listening to it in stereo? I mean, he must have, I think, at a certain point, heard it in stereo. But when he was working, 
with the samplers and doing the sampling stuff, it was all in mono. Hmm. Yeah. So with one speaker in his studio, his hmm. home studio kind of thing. So that's interesting. Yeah. I'd like to know more about that, about how you organize that. That yeah, seems like yeah. a wild way to yeah. produce a, a critically acclaimed album. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like yeah. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, another testament to how creative this guy is. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, he's super into art and and music, and and getting these emotions out, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, expressing himself in super cool ways. And he has that drive, and that's what led this this group to go on to greater things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I mean, I guess he just started working on some other stuff in the meantime. After that, yeah. um, like. I don't. I think yeah. he was working on Man with a Movie Camera. Was, um, was that? Are we already yeah. going to ahead? We're going to ahead. Okay. So, before we move on, let's just play a little uh, another track off of. That's motion. what we need. So debut album. Break things up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm down. This, um, this was 1999. Yeah, this is 1999. It's called Motion. It was like like he said, primarily sample based. He used a lot of um, samples from some kind of big artist like Nina Simone mm-hmm. sample and stuff like that. And uh, he said, well, later on, they had to pay for it. <laughs> oh, they, um, didn't, they didn't get a lot of samples cleared? Yeah, well, he said, like, sometimes he'd send the record to the, to Ninja Tune and they'd be like, and they'd sort of make a decision about how long of a sample he used or how much of he used of it and whether he should they should clear it or not kind of thing. Yeah. Like, if it's just, like, one second, like, should we check or just yeah just release release it but i think the genius in this album is how it sounds like a cohesive jazz record even though it was like basically collage pieced together Mm -hmm. and if you listen to the tracks on this album i don't think you get you don't think that i think you think it's like legit kind of thing yeah 100 percent. so I mean, you can kind of hear it if you listen closely, but let's just play this track, Channel One Suite, and then uh, um, we'll get back into the conversation. Channel One on private pirate radio. (laughs) Signal. So that was a track called Channel One Suite from Motion, their very first album, Cinematic Orchestra. 1999 off uh, Ninja Tune. Yeah. And label. Um, yeah, what was that? Oh, the, the name of the label, Ninja <laughs> the, Tune. The name of the label. I was, I was like, yeah. oh, Ninja Tune, I just said yeah, I should say that that's the label. But yeah, so this whole thing is it's moody, it's jazzy, uh, it's mostly sample based, like you said, and it's got a kind of an old school noir film kind so, of feel yeah this is the thing i wanted to bring up i wanted to take a little segue here and uh play a track off the taxi driver soundtrack nice um because uh jason said he said the music is complex to explain but it's inspired from jazz from the 60s and its origin inspired by artists such as max roach john coltrane elvin jones jimmy garrison and herbie hancock but also the film world of hitchcock and Bernard Herman, Bernard Herman being a film composer 
that mm-hmm. did a lot of the Hitchcock films and also did Taxi Driver. And I think you can hear an influence from the track I'm about to play called Thank God for the Rain. It's very short um, kind of uh, piece here from the Taxi Driver soundtrack, but I just want to spin it for a little bit for some vibes. Um, some, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, let's get some context up in here. So that's a very short piece, but that's from the soundtrack mm-hmm. for Taxi Driver. I think you can hear some influences there from yeah, one hundred percent mood, the vibe. It's like if you just took that and added a little bit of hip hop influence, yeah, 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 some jazzy drums in there, yeah, <laughs> and then you you got cinematic orchestra, exactly, yeah, yeah, which is cool. It's it's interesting to see how much uh, hip hop has permeated every genre of music. Yeah, yeah, it's you know it's it's like the new rock and roll. Mm-hmm. It's the new rock. Yeah. Now we have, you know, rap verses instead of a guitar solo. Yeah, there you go. Stuff it's like true, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Just a little touch on hip hop and stuff, yeah, but yeah. I mean, yeah, you could definitely hear the influence on that. That's that yeah, sounds yeah. great. That yeah. definitely sounded really old school. Old that's school, a, cool. Yeah, that's a great soundtrack by that great movie, and I think the soundtrack really drove that movie mm-hmm. a little bit. So we gotta watch it. That sounds great. No, I got to set this project. I wish that track went on longer. Yeah, it was. It was fun to listen to it. It's kind of mysterious. It's kind of a if. Um, it's like, hmm, yeah, like (laughs) what's going on? Yeah, it's like intriguing. (laughs) I don't know what I'm thinking about, but it's interesting and mysterious. Yeah. Uh, so cool. Yeah, awesome choice. Thanks for playing that, dude. Yeah, that gives us a lot of context. Yeah. So, that's that's super cool. So, I mean, where do we go from here? So I mean, what was there anything? What was he doing in between that album? Um, I think just working on the next album. Really, to be honest with you, every day came out in two thousand and two, and that was the album that um, I really cottoned on to somehow from somewhere. Listening to the radio, some probably a Jazz Pizza and radio show. Um, and real quick before we go on to every day. I'm still on motion. Okay. Let me just take a, one quick step back. Okay, yeah, do it. Real quick. Because I had a quote, uh, I think it was Jason Swinsco, give us a little bit of a tidbit of context for what he was coming from, his mindset for making motion in 1999. He said, I think we both have, referring to um, the main other dude in the band mm-hmm. or the group, I can't remember his name, I'm sorry, I guess. Mm. I think we both have great optimism about music and about its power and the power we felt in our lives experiencing it. That's what we want to create for other people and for ourselves. Yeah. So just cool little context there to, to drive that home where he was coming from and what he was trying to do. Yeah. And it totally makes sense. And then that was critically acclaimed. And like I said before, they got to um, do a performance for the Directors Guild Lifetime Achievement Award Ceremony for Stanley Kubrick, who's... Yeah. I mean, credited for being one of the best directors of all time. Yeah. No, so that's pretty cool. But yeah, sorry to take a step back, but we're back on every day. Yeah. Well, actually, like that, what you just said reminds me of um, what I found out about their first ever show that they did um, Mm -hmm. as Cinematic Orchestra. Um, I'm not sure what year it was, but it was at a place called 
the Brighton Jazz Bop. <laughs> Sounds like a bopper to me. Yeah, I want to go. Yeah. And it was the first ever show they performed. And uh, Jason Swinsco said there was a DJ called Ross Jubri. I think it's Ross Jubri or might be Russ Jubri. He was like a jazz trip hop DJ um, who was um, putting on a show with a jazz vocalist called Leon Thomas. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know who Leon Thomas is myself, but apparently uh, Ross Jubri needed a support band to play before Leon Thomas. And so they asked Jason to do the show with him. And he was like, well, it's one of his heroes. Apparently Leon Thomas is like a famous jazz vocalist from the States. And he was over in Brighton doing this show. And it forced um, Jason to take his music out of the studio for the first time and Mm -hmm. perform it live on stage kind of thing. And, um, And that ended up being the first show of him doing that. How long ago was that show after that album Motion was released? I don't know. I, I unfortunately don't have the context of yeah. the timeline. No, that's all right. That's that. all right. But yeah. Um, but I feel like it was probably it during In Motion. Mm-hmm. Or motion, sorry. Um, yeah. So. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> they made that happen kind of thing. Yeah. No, that's great. I'm, I'm just trying to get some more context as much as I can because I, yeah, yeah. like I said, coming into this week for this um, research and stuff, I didn't know about cinematic or- orchestra right. as much as you do. So yeah, all yeah. the context I can get, um, the better. Well, so like, yeah, only a couple of years later, 2002, they came out with For Every Day, mm-hmm. which I think is probably like, I don't really go back to motion at all as an album for some reason, even though it's great. It's mm-hmm. wonderful, but like um, every day is the one for me that really stood out. That hits a little harder, harder for you. Yeah, and it's got you know it had um, some sort of seminal tracks of my growing up kind of thing that I heard, and a lot of um, collaborations with Fontella Bass is on there on a mm-hmm. couple of tracks, and Roots Maneuver, who's like a British rapper that is really good and he's had a lot of solo albums out as well and he also like performed on left field he was always like perform he always showed up in random places on features for like other artists kind of thing you wouldn't expect him yeah there he is and so um he's on this album as well um really great vocal performance from him um cool so yeah like i mean yeah so i mean every day was also on ninja tune yeah yeah we're, we're talking 2002 this came out yeah yeah so it's it's eclectic. It it takes you on a kind of a a tour of soul and jazz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, blues, pop, funk. Yeah, it's yeah. a little bit you know, like I said, eclectic. Yeah, yeah, it's hitting some different marks. So I think they definitely extended their range from the first album. Yeah, yeah, and they're you know they're they're reaching their they're pushing towards their limits and seeing where they can go as a as a group and. Uh, you know, without ever coalescing into a personal style, like yeah. they just kind of they're borrowing from pop, from jazz, soul, yeah, making yeah. an eclectic album. And I like eclectic albums where it can yeah. kind of, if you can do it well and and can remain consistent yeah. while being eclectic and doing different, taking different vibes from different genres of music. Yeah, yeah. And if there's some kind of heart and soul that's consistent through that album, that's really fun. It takes mm-hmm. you on a journey, mm-hmm. and I think they really did that on this album. Mm-hmm. So it showed a lot of growth, 
and a lot of um you know people were intrigued yeah and i think they were intrigued yeah about what they were doing and that's that's what's cool and yeah, if yeah. you can hear that then you know if you're having fun you're doing something right you yeah know? so so we're talking about every day yeah the cinematic orchestra a lot of these songs are over nine minutes long so, yeah they're pretty long yeah so just to give some more you know yeah. info and context about what was going on here at least three or four of the songs are over nine minutes long yeah at least and those are just the ones off the top of my head um but yeah it could the album could be read kind of mainly as a constant static like continuing atmosphere mm-hmm. of like gloom mm. or suspense yeah you know they kind of harbor this energy not as suspenseful as that taxi driver thing i just played that that (laughs) that track you played was very suspenseful it's like like creeping around the corner like exactly yeah yeah i totally got that vibe and so i think like i said they're kind of borrowing from from that kind of vibe yeah and then taking from these different genres of music and kind of adding it all together to create their sound and i think that was a, a big step for them to to move to the you know like literally taking a step up the ladder or whatever yeah and i also think like the collaboration with fontella bass was uh big because she was like a pretty famous r&b soul singer in in the sick like in the back in the day i think like her biggest track they said was rescue me which is mm-hmm. a pretty famous track i think i think if i'm thinking about, <laughs> if i think if I'm, i think that was super famous if i'm <laughs> thinking about the right thing let me just uh pull it up mm-hmm not resume me well yeah no i let me i can go i got a couple other notes because um i mean yeah i just like the suspense that's what i'm saying yeah that kind of gloomy like what's going on kind of questions yeah if 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 uh you know tracks and music can make you ask questions that you don't know what the answers are you don't know what the context is Uh, even or what the story is because it's not a you know we're not talking about a a real there's not a protagonist character yeah but through the music, you kind of feel like you're the character traveling through feelings and emotion. Yeah. And I think that's what they really got across, which is really yeah, cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So like kind of, they're, you know, creating some cool like background music for your own life in this imaginary, you know, world that, that, that surrounds you while you're listening to this album. Yeah, I mean, it's cinematic. It's like you can just right. listen to their music and be in a cinematic world, not a yeah. specific movie. But your own movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Totally. That's, uh, that's that's yeah. a great thing that they achieved. I think that's yeah. super cool. Let's see what this sounds like. So I'm taking you on a musical journey, Jesse. I'm strapped in and ready to go. Because you know that track, right? Yeah. Yeah. And who, who, who's saying that? Who's the artist? Fontella Bass. Okay. Good. That's, I've never known that. I've yeah. known that track since it feels like I've been alive. Exactly. But and I never now, know Now, let's fast forward 40 plus something years <laughs> to her feature on Evolution by Cinematic Orchestra. Heck yeah. Nice.
The stars light up my life. The stars light up my life. The sun light up my life. So what a transition. Um, yeah, I thought it was really cool. I mean, I'm sure Fontella Bass has done many other things in between in those intervening years from 1965 all the way through 2002, but a track to have her on it on this and it's called evolution mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, it's nice. It's great. No, it's super it's, great. It, it says something. It's like a bit of a sentiment in there or something. Like yeah. That. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it tells a story. It's a narrative. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's really cool because all people coming out with music every day and it's all a conversation. Yeah. yeah. What do you got to say? What so, do you got yeah. to add? What's your input? Yeah. Yeah. What are you saying about what I'm doing? What should I say about what you're doing? And that's cool. It was it was really like the track you played before that from 1965. It's like amazing track. Yeah, yeah. Super popular, super great, good energy. Yeah. And this track, she didn't bring the same energy. It's not the same kind of song. No. It's not the same kind of track. She has an older voice, noticeably. Uh -huh. um, but it's still very, very powerful. Like, yeah, just yeah. It, she, I, she brought the same energy, but in a different way. Yeah, yeah. And so that's super cool to see as a, you know, uh, as a person appreciating music, but to see an artist be able to do, you know, bring energy in different yeah, yeah. formats. Yeah, yeah. That's so, amazing. Yeah. And that's yeah. great. And that, that's a, you know, sign of a good musician, good artist. Yeah. So really cool. Good. Um, good little mix. Little journey. Yeah, musical got, journey I'm, we went through. I'm speechless. Yeah. I'm speechless. <laughs> Um, so let's fast, <laughs> let's fast forward a little bit. Um, so only a year after that album came out, they came out with an album called man with a movie camera. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really an album, but they basically did this project where they did a live score for a, um, an old Russian, or I guess you call it Soviet back then documentary in 1979. Ooh. And, um, and, I actually got the opportunity to see this live. Um, when you were in the UK? When I was in the UK, around this time, I saw them. I saw the cinematic orchestra at the Barbican, which we've talked about a couple of times. It's a big art centre in, in London and uh, has all this brutalist architecture, is what they call it. And so this was like 2007? Um, well, they came out with this in 2003, so I oh, okay. think I was, I probably saw them around that time, or like 2005 or something okay. like that. Yeah, it wasn't too long after this came out, and um, um, yeah, for 2004 or 2005, I saw mm -hmm. them play this live. I went down, I went into London by myself, had a few Jack and Cokes at the bar. Sounds good, um, that's what I would do. Talk to some random dude about uh, um, Suzumu Yukota, who's a Japanese electronic ambient artist for mm. some reason. For some reason. For some reason. Talk, that came <laughs> up in random conversation with a random dude. And um, yeah, and it was all like a sit down thing. Um, you sit down and all these stairs. I was in the front row. I don't know how I managed to get this ticket. And uh, I saw Cinematic Orchestra play live uh, with an orchestra 
and then in the background they projected the movie and so this is an interesting project and album for them because it's kind of a mishmash and a rehashing of some of their existing material and then like mm -hmm. a few new um compositions sort of thing um but they did this i think they also released a dvd of it as well um with the movie with the soundtrack to it kind of thing um and it's very you know it's like a black and white movie it's very industrial it's about like um they say it's a documentary so it's not even like characters or anything like that it's like filmed footage from the 1930s in like soviet era right um um and like filming all these people like at work kind of thing i feel like there is some kind of narrative to it um but it was but there was no um there were no like cue cards with any subtitles or anything like that is it a, a story like is there a main character yeah i'm like gonna follow I, this is you know this has been a long time no it, it, it was a while ago <laughs> yeah i'm not so i don't sure i don't remember it but i do remember them doing it and i think the music was at the forefront of that performance and afterwards like jason swinsko was like djing in the bar upstairs kind of thing and i hung around for a little bit and i kind of wanted to speak to him like i was sort of like hanging around yeah but he was busy djing and was like yeah was, um, we'll do that. this is this is what i was doing when i was 19 years old i mean wow. you're, you're surrounded by a lot of dope dude people though like in the cool spots like i mean you're going by the bar where damon albarn was showing, oh, yeah, and, you yeah, know yeah. like you're you were coming into contact with some like huge artists i've always just brushed not even brushed elbows or just like you know whatever but yeah yeah i just I mean, walked by him because i yeah now it's just a romantic vision of history of like things you know yeah well and but, these artists you know. are they're blown up in your head because they do awesome things in the world but it doesn't necessarily make them more important or yeah yeah you know than than anybody else that are here walking the world exactly yeah and yeah. That, that's an interesting thing for me because it's constantly in the media like this guy's awesome yeah this guy's famous this yeah, guy's yeah. scandalous yeah and it's like scandalous. why why am i not in the tabloids i have crazy stories you know <laughs> put me in the tabloids you know? <laughs> i'm scandalous yeah, well, i'm, I'm uh, way more scandalous <laughs> than that guy you don't even know but that's cool so cool yeah, progression yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, so these that whole project and yeah musically like i was saying it was a it was a rehashing of um older material and stuff like that i do remember him uh when they performed this live he was like on a sump like on a keyboard triggering samples so uh -huh. but he had like a mini orchestra and uh live musicians doing everything else kind of thing mm -hmm. um but yeah it was really good and uh but did, then, they, did they play it all the way through like yeah, track yeah. by track like yeah. one two three or was it mixed up um yeah no it was uh i think if you check out the release on spotify man with the movie camera that is in order of how they performed it to, okay to the movie yeah that's yeah the way i would want it that's exactly great. yeah so yeah that was like you know it's it's one of my most fondest memories of seeing live music totally different scenario where everyone's sitting down and you know all that sort of thing and um i was by myself which is i don't know people don't really go to like i went into the city like you know 40 miles into the city <laughs> to go see a show by myself at this oppressive <laughs> brutalist barbican art center yeah <laughs> but anyway like 
I do that all the time. I've gone to shows by myself. I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's great. I go yeah. to movies by myself. Yeah, yeah. I'll take myself to dinner. You got to take yourself on dates. I mean, I've, you know? I've had dinner by myself, yeah. I think I've it's be, great. I've, I've even been like chilling at a bar in London, just like having a quiet beer by myself. And yeah. then other people rocking up and being like, why are you sitting by yourself? Like, <laughs> yeah, like it's a problem. Like <laughs> something's like not okay. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm cool. I have my newspaper back then. This is before smartphones. <laughs> I'm not that old, but you know, come on. It's, uh, yeah. No, I didn't have a smartphone until like five I, years ago. So. There you go. Yeah. I was rocking around in the, you know, early 2000s UK without a smartphone, just newspapers. For whatever reason, it feels even better <laughs> to be like in the UK with the newspaper. For, for some know. reason, the UK seems like it's generally old fashioned. <laughs> it's, gener- it's all generally old fashioned. I'm just coming from a California boy, American guy, so whatever. Well, that's the thing. When you're waiting for a bus in England, it's like, well, I'm going to stop into this pub for it because the bus only comes once every hour. So, you know. So you got a <laughs> couple minutes <laughs> to spare. Why time, not? So like, yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, let's fast forward to this album because um, I want to play this track. Um, Math Fleur was the album they came out with in 2007. Mm-hmm. And that's um, two words, like Ma yeah, yeah. Fleur. Yeah, Just I think so. For for those people who care about words and stuff. Yeah. It, do you know what that means? I didn't look it up. Mm, I No. Okay, but, let me give a couple notes while you look yeah. it up what it means. We're going to do a little... Uh, you know, vocab research right here, live on Roots to Grooves. We're talking about My Fluor. It was released on Domino record label. This was 2007. Yeah. Um, so it has re- a lot of good moments. It's a little bit of a reinvention of style. I'm just reading off my notes right here. My um, Flower. My Flower? Yeah. That's in, how it's pronounced? In French, Ma Fleur is My Flower in English. Ma Flower, bro. yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you listen to my flower? <laughs> Did you get my flower I sent you? Can I show you my flower? <laughs> Want to see my flower? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so, but it, so I listened to this. It, it feels a little bit stripped back. Um, mm-hmm. There's some guitar. There's some simplistic piano, you know, and guitar. It's warm. It's there's emotional, minimalistic elements and feel to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is cool. So I guess, yeah, Mafleur 2007, it was a soundtrack to a film that had not been released yet. That was kind of the idea going into it. Yeah. I guess at least in Twinsko's head space, you know, as he's kind of creating this thing. Yeah. Um, so like the soundtrack was born before the script. Um, and so I guess it, it lacked the minimum amount of drama or complexity required to sustain attention. Um, but it's got like a noir, you know, N O I R noir. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like noir, I'm not noir. Noir. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I feel like I'm not pronouncing things correctly, so I have to remind myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, but kind of a noir atmosphere and a kind of neoclassical mm-hmm. kind of vibe, um, or at least arrangements. And then it's, some of it's elegant. It's it's graceful. It's um, so here's what's interesting. And one of my notes, it's it's ultimately kind of uh, Muzak. Mm. And so, boom, this is the vocabulary word of the podcast. Muzak. Are you familiar with that word? Um, yeah, but usually like in like elevator music from like the 1960s. Well, well that's basically like that. what Muzak is. <laughs> that, is it? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, you have, you know, you have your music that's out there, right? Pop songs, good songs. And then Muzak. And I, it, I was literally listening to a podcast on my way here today about Muzak. Okay. And that was just a random synchronicity because these guys release a podcast on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Right. And today was just the day yeah, okay. yeah. that that came out. Yeah, yeah. And it totally coincided with what we're talking about tonight, which is yeah. super cool. Yeah. And, you know, that means something. There's some kind of synchronicity action going on here. Something. 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 Yeah. Um, but yeah, Muzak, like you said, elevator music. It's like mm. when artists will recreate a song that's already been released. Yeah, yeah. Even um, like we've all heard it probably, elevator music or mu- like background music. And they'll do like a rendition and, of it or maybe change the key so they have to pay copyright or something like that. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like a huge thing is there's no vocals. Yeah. So there's like a vocal in a song, a pop song that's released by that artist. And then a, a different artist will recreate that song with completely new instrumentation. Yeah. Like playing the music again, not sampling it, like recreating it in a slightly different way. But instead of having a melody of, uh, you know, a vocal with the artist, they'll, it'll be a saxophone or instrumental melody. So this reminds me of uh, another story in the UK where uh, my parents used to go to the, the market which was like the market stalls kind of thing and then like farmer's market kind of yeah but they'd have all these like cheap cds and stuff like that that you could buy and uh my dad used for some reason used to like buying the kenny g instrumental albums kind of thing oh uh, kenny g classic kenny g from seattle he's from seattle yeah (laughs) for real i i like I thought that was I just quietly googled it as I before I said what I was going to say. He was born in Seattle. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's that's kind of wild. That's cool. Yeah. That's a so, that's uh, a fun fact if I ever did see one. Yeah. Kenny G does he live in Seattle? That's what someone's asking. Uh So after after we record this, we can go find his house and drive and yeah. We can but, egg his house. But, or but he yeah, but he used to do like all of these like big pop songs and they just do them like instrumental style on his saxophone <laughs> like lionel richie songs and stuff like that you know? yeah so that's I, I don't know exactly what you're talking about because i haven't heard that <laughs> but basically we're talking well, I mean, what we we started this conversation with muzak yeah not music muzak muzak m-u-z-a-c yeah it's not music it's muzak it's muzak <laughs> and that's how you say it don't get it wrong yeah and it's super interesting. So, can, can you eat muzaka whilst you're listening to muzak? What's muzaka? Do you know what a muzaka is? Uh, no, but I'm getting hungry. It's like a Greek. It's like a Greek lasagna with eggplant. That sounds good. Yeah, it's good. Eggplant. Yeah, I can make it. We'll do movie night, and I'll make a muzaka. Okay. And we'll, okay. And we'll invite everyone from TikTok. I only know. Yeah, well, all one of them. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I only know eggplant from the emoji that in texting. <laughs> that, that. You know, you don't eat about eggplant usually. I don't like, put eggplant in my mouth, bro. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's an emoji. Um, but, but okay, so but music, elevator music, background music, recreated from a, a real song that was released in a new way, new instrumentation. Um, no vocals. It's yeah. super chill. And I mean, I, I don't know. Does that sound kind of a little bit of a well-rounded? Um, idea to, yeah 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 you know it's off the cuff but you know, does that make sense to you yeah no i definitely have known about i just learned about like, it like today so oh yeah no I, i've known about it for a while and uh yeah 
it is like instrumental loungy versions of mm-hmm. of popular songs yeah and it's been around yeah. for like decades now yeah yeah and uh, i've heard before i even knew this term muzak i've heard versions of this from like uh i don't know the artists who created the muzak version but like versions of a nirvana song it's like yeah, a heavy grunge yeah, yeah. thing but then they it's in a jazzy way exactly <laughs> precisely and it's like sometimes it's cool sometimes it's cringe yeah yeah cringe cringe comes to mind when i think of muzak mostly sure yeah which is fine I think it all depends on the set and setting, you know, where you are and mm-hmm. why there's music. But this Muzak that mm-hmm. we're talking about, since we were on this little tangent, um, you know, it's like there was a time where it was everywhere. It was like a new thing. Yeah. And it wasn't really accepted, but then it was accepted. And it's like you hear it in restaurants, then you go into the elevator, you hear it. You know, you walk down your hall of your hotel, some light music playing, yeah. and it's meant to be like not noticeable. Yeah, yeah. Un- unoffensive but, but, uh, background music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it's like you want it to be interesting enough to, like, if you were listening to it and paying attention, it's like, oh, okay, that's kind of vibing. That's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting musically. But if you're not paying attention to it, it just provides that nice background feel. Yeah. Rather than having an awkward silence. Ready? Go. <laughs> uh, you don't want to listen to that, guys. Nobody. I, <laughs> I couldn't even hold it for that long because I got too nervous. <laughs> that was as long as I could go, and it's weird. But if there was some soft background music, they're just like, I mean, uh, it's uh, like, okay, last, I'm chilling. Uh, last week we had the background street performer playing out there. Yeah, sure. he's fired. Where is he tonight? <laughs> he was supposed to be out there at like five p.m. and he's oh, not. No, even... he just he was just tri- doing a trial period. I guess I don't know. Just a Costco sampler, like exactly. <laughs> Jeez. But anyway, so that's music. As far as I know, I was just learning about it like today, and that's super cool that it coincides with uh, what we're talking about today. Well, hey, this song, if you don't know it, you will know it. I'm sure you've seen some. This this song gets used a lot. It's been used in romantic comedies and and weird things and all kinds of places. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, Jason says he's shackled to it. That he's seems tired. Kind of neg- I think he's kind of tired of he's it. He's married to it. He's married to it. He's, he's kind of tired of art <laughs> being asked about this song and everything like that. But I'm going to play it because it, it is really good. And um, it has a former um, Canadian hockey goalkeeper on the vocals. <laughs> sure. That sounds great. Um, I, I couldn't have thought of something more random. That That is a random intro and I will explain more about what I mean after we play this, which Ah, I'm sure you will recognize. Always with the cliffhanger. How do you feel after that track, Jesse? Oh, I mean, very sentimental, very, I don't know, melancholy and kind of sad. <laughs> like, I mean, it's emotional, <laughs> like in a good way, though, because it was a great track. Yeah. yeah. And it, a track that can draw me in like that yeah. has my stamp of approval. It, um, it's very emotional, but I don't know if I've, I don't think I've ever heard it. Really? No? Yeah, okay. it, it does yeah. sound familiar. Yeah, yeah. And I'm wondering if I've heard it or if I've yeah, they, heard things. They, 
they've used parts of it in movies, if not the whole thing. I, I was and thinking, like, like maybe yeah. I've heard a sample from that in something because yeah. it sounds, it does sound familiar. Yeah, yeah. And I could not put my finger on it. So that track which is interesting. Featured Patrick Wilson. Um, he's a film composer, pianist, based in Montreal, Canada. Apparently, side note, he makes explorative chamber pop with his band that is also called Patrick uh, Watson. So oh, I, don't, I know what chamber pop is. That's for another episode. Maybe that's a whole. That's on our vocabulary yeah. episode. What? But, but they so the track that track they wrote it in three days, and um, so. When I mentioned about the the hockey thing, because apparently Jason said everyone plays hockey in Canada, and Patrick was one of them, and he was a very bad hockey player, so they put him in goal kind of thing. <laughs> and he had a mutual friend that heard him sing once and said, oh, you need to meet this guy. He has a really good voice kind of thing. And he was just like, okay, whatever. And, uh, and uh, Jason was in Paris at the time, and he was like, you know, writing a few things. He came up with those chords that you heard. And he went to Canada, he went to Montreal, he ended up meeting with Patrick, and uh, it, over the course of three days, they just created that, what you just heard. Mm -hmm. thing. And what he said about it... It's it, gorgeous. Yeah, it's gorgeous. And he said, what about it is that you can't um, plan for that type of thing. Um, this has like been one of his biggest tracks. It's like It's been the one that gets used a lot in movies and everything like that. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and and he said, yeah, it just it just happened. It was the magic of the moment of the meeting. Of, he just basically sat down and he played those chords to him on the piano. And then Patrick Wilson, who's a pianist as well, or Watson, sorry, uh, started playing those and then came up with the melody and the lyrics kind of thing. And uh, yeah. That's amazing, the magic of the moment. Yeah, yeah. So who was singing on that track? Patrick Watson. Okay, yeah, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I think he's like mostly known for maybe more sort of rocky type of stuff or whatever. I haven't really heard anything else he's done, but um, yeah. I mean, but it's, that, that that track brought me down, like just some like emotional <laughs> levels. And I'm like, oh man. And I was like, oh wait, I have to, I have to remember, I, I still feel good. Like everything's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause like that track was heavy. Yeah, it is, it's very heavy. Like in a light way, it's like orchestral, piano. Yeah, yeah. Um, with a nice soft vocal. Yeah. In the vein of um, the band we're talking about, Cinematic Orchestra, yeah. the group we're talking about. I don't know. Yeah. Do you call them a band? Um, would you yeah. call them a group? I, I've heard other people on the internet call them a project, not even a band. That It feels more like a project yeah, yeah. than a band. Yeah. But at the same time, technically, I would also call them a band if I had to technically yeah. put them in a box like that. So I, I did see them play in Seattle um, just before COVID. Mm -hmm. I think, I think it might have been after we saw the Strokes. Really, I'm not sure. It could have been before that. I oh. thought that and that was the Strokes show was great, and it was right on the cusp of when everything was. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. the last show the Strokes played. Yeah, and the rest of their tour got canceled, so yeah. it was right on the the edge. Yeah, I think it might have been before that. Then um, I I'd, I'd booked tickets for like a year. I, I booked two tickets without knowing who would come with me kind of thing. And yeah. My friend came with it to it and, um, and uh, it was a tiny venue. Cause the last time I saw them perform was at the Barbican with like, you know, 
thousands of people in a, an auditorium. Right. And then I saw them play in Seattle <laughs> with like, I don't know, maybe a few hundred people. It was much smaller. Where, what venue yeah. was it? Um, it was the one in uh, Lower Queen Anne, the, um, oh, what's it called? I don't know what that's called. Oh. You know the one I'm talking about? It looks like a cinema on the outside kind of thing. Like yeah. Theater, not coming to my brain though. Yeah, yeah. So I saw them play there. It was a tiny venue. Hmm. There wasn't really many people in there, but it was very, they played this track. They played a few other things. My friend was like, well, this is like depressing. <laughs> well, that's why, but <laughs> that's a testament to the, the power that they're giving to this music. Yeah, and yeah. Like if I feel depressed after listening to a song, yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that just happened to me. I was like, damn, it's like so beautiful and melancholy and um, yeah, like yeah. nostalgic and sad and heavy. I I loved it. Like I've always loved them for you know their their jazzy kind of approach to things. Um, I admittedly, when I saw them in Seattle, I was like, oh yeah, there's a, there's a lot more down tempo. But they had a they had like a couple of singers. They had the full band. There was at least six or seven of them on stage, kind of thing. Um, but I mean, yeah, I don't know. I love that. I love that type of mood anyway. So, you know, it's not for everyone, but, you know, I it, like it. No, no, I love it too. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's, there's a time and a place for it. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not going to play that when I'm like, I'm going to hang out with my buddies on a Sunday. <laughs> like, it's the summertime. Let's go to the beach. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not going to play that song. And we'll put this track on. Yeah. Uh, to like, no, sad uh, beach day. But, you know, it's just, that's the way it is. There's sad music and there's fun music and there's happy and sad music and it's it's all glorious and beautiful. Yeah. And there's a time and a place to listen to different stuff. I certainly listen to, you know, sad and kind of darker music sometimes. Yeah. You know, I generally t- tend towards um, kind of upbeat, mid-tempo, guitar, rock-based alternative music. Yeah. But it's all good, bro. No, uh, and, and I don't know. That was like that. That seriously hit me. Like listening yeah. to that on my headphones. Yeah, and it's just really powerful. Yeah, and that's amazing. So, and props to them for being able to create something like that. Yeah, because that's what it's all about. For me, like I'm trying to create music that, if I can make you feel something, whatever that is. Yeah, not no feeling is wrong. Yeah, especially if that's what I'm going for. Yeah, if I trying to make you somebody feel angry through a song and they feel that success yeah if i want to push the sadness into some music and you feel sad when you listen to it, success yeah that, that's what it's all about yeah because i i see music as communicating emotions mm-hmm. you know and i'm not trying to get all so esoteric or ethereal and you know weird but like i don't know that's what i believe so there you go yeah, yeah. My music is emotion. It's cool to experience that, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's the thing. Those are those tracks sometimes that just, uh, I think that one puts the hairs on the back of your head for whatever yeah. reason. And, um, yeah, it definitely touches you kind of thing. And uh, so, you know, let's, let's fast forward on from there because that was 2007. Cool. So we, we got a ways to go. Let's get out of this. That was yeah. that was some heavy energy, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And let's lighten it up. Cause well, we're about to end the show. Okay. Okay, we're done. <laughs> 
from 2007 <laughs> to uh, 2021. But their what? last album came out in 20, only in 2020. So it took them a long sure. time. Which was what, 12 years? Yeah, yeah. And from, yeah, so I mean, we're fast forwarding, but we're not really fast forwarding. This is just where the story picks up. Yeah. I mean, they've done some stuff in between then, uh, just not studio albums. Like I, They've done some like kind of residencies or like uh, performances with like orchestras mm -hmm. and uh, things they've done in like Australia and stuff like that. And the Barbican again, um, in 2012, they did something called In Motion. Um, they curated a series of events at London's Barbican Centre uh, where classic silent films were shown with newly commissioned soundtracks. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so like highlights from that were featured on a release that they put out in 2012 called In Motion. But it wasn't really an album from them until uh, To Believe in 2020. And um, uh, Jason said it was uh, it's a little bit more electronic. Um, mm -hmm. He said he's got a new palette of sounds that he was playing with. Mm -hmm. um, they did make a brief appearance in 2016. Um, and they Playing live, you, you mean? Yeah, playing live. And they released a single To Believe featuring Moses Sumney. And, but people didn't realize that that was like a track that was going to feature on an album in 2020. So they debuted it in 2016, didn't release it until 2020. Um, debuted it live. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you never know how it's going to go. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. I mean, awesome. So, what year did this come out? To Believe. I think it's 2019. 2020. 2020. Yeah. So, just last year. We're oh, 2019, yeah. 2019, sorry. At the end of 2019, though, right? Yeah, yeah I, I think, think so. right at the very end, yeah. Which feels like it's 2021 right now when we're recording this, and it's uh, about mid-April yeah, yeah. or so when we're recording this. Um, so that feels like it's about a year away. So I think I saw them when they came out in 2019. Okay, in nice. Yeah. That's yeah. epic. So I'm yeah. one of the last concerts that they played. Yeah, yeah. Essentially. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they've been up to, but essentially, relatively, one of the last things that they've toured. Mm -hmm. So, but to believe, great, more long tracks. Yeah. On this. Yeah. Um, this is this is an artist where I I like their latest stuff. Yeah. yeah. Feels more refined. Yeah, yeah. To me, feels like they're coming into themselves, like after learning a lot. Well, it's definitely interesting when you explore groups like this, like Jazz and Nova as well, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They've been around for, you know, all of the 2000s kind of thing. Right. And now, yeah, we're uh, in 2020. It's crazy that we're uh, two decades. We're in, in the 20s. Into the 20s. But, um, you know, so it's weird for me as well because a lot of these artists I listened to back in, like, early 2000s. And, um, you know, and it's interesting to see where they're sonically going now kind of thing in this mm -hmm. in this new era of... I don't know where we're at really right now in present time. It's an interesting time to be where everything, I, feel, I, I don't know, I feel like every generation maybe feels like everything comes to head at a certain point or that is a reckoning moment. But for me, thing. like there's a lot of artists from the 2000s. I mean, even like Raphael Sadiq was like, mm -hmm. you know, one of those artists. I mean, he well was way back in the 90s as well, but like he's, 
traversed all of this time period mm -hmm. to be releasing stuff now in a modern way and it's like interesting right. to see the evolution of sounds and uh where they're taking things and everything like that and so with cinematic yeah. orchestra you know they came from a very jazzy sort of uh background and uh with this latest release it's a little bit more refined in a bonobo way i would say um, this kind of release. that down tempo electronic beat kind yeah, of vibe, yeah, yeah. a little bit. Because he's another artist that's been around forever as well. But his most mm -hmm. recent release is like super like modern and forward thinking kind of thing. Hundred percent. Um, and so I feel like you know, Cinematic Orchestra have caught up to that bonobo stage of things. And um, yeah, yeah, with this it kind of shows that they've yeah, yeah. they've traversed that. They've explored this and that, yeah. and now they're here, yeah. and it feels like they've arrived. Yeah, that's how I feel at least. Yeah, um, you know, I don't, know, I don't mean to like steamroll what you were saying. No, no, no. that was it. <laughs> that was it. That's all I had to say. And uh, I think we should play out. If, yeah, uh, you know, with the the most released <laughs> release in twenty nineteen, but it also features it, Roots Maneuver, who's someone. To, um i kind of want to maybe talk about somehow on a future episode i don't know if he has too many albums out but he's an interesting character he's done a lot of features on a lot of like cool shit over uh -huh. the last 20 years and he reappears again now on this track called a caged bird slash imitations of life which we're about to play on rooster greaves are there any final parting words of wisdom you want to say on this episode? Uh, I mean, I got a, just a couple brief notes about that last album, To Believe. Yeah. yeah. Just a couple brief notes. There's yeah. some long tracks, like I said. It's warm. It's emotional. There's a lot of variety. You know, I like this record, and that's why I want to just put these couple words at the last moment here. But there's some energetic moments, but it's well-paced, and it's well-produced, and it's really good. And it was super awesome getting to explore this group, yeah. this band, this band, this entity project. Yeah, this project. <laughs> I like thinking about it as a project, though. That's cool. I think it's a project. It, yeah. It's not so individualistic. Like this person is yeah, yeah. famous because that person is awesome. Yeah, it's like it's it's bigger than one person, one human. So, yeah. You know, it's like a project because yeah. I, I feel like that somewhere in the definition of project is you can't just do it by yourself. Like it, it takes outside yeah. things to truly make something bigger. Yeah. I always constantly think about skyscrapers. You, you constantly think about skyscrapers. Almost always. <laughs> it, it, it impermeates so many of my, uh, you know, metaphors in my head, at least when I'm trying to relate to other ideas. Yeah. You, you want to go up to the top. Yeah. You want to have a window corner office, of your business as a CEO, you know, whatever. Nothing, none of that's going to happen. You're not going to sit in that office until somebody digs a hole, makes the foundation, mm -hmm. pours the concrete, mm -hmm. then builds on top of that. I'm just saying you, you start a foundation, that's what's going to allow you to go higher. If you're trying to build a sandcastle, just a pile of dirt even, just a mountain. Because what I used to do when I was in like first grade or whatever. I remember asking my dad, how, oh. how can I make a bigger pile? Yeah. <laughs> how can I make a bigger mountain? You know, bigger foundation. Yeah, yeah. 
And that seems so simple and trite, you know, like over, over simplistic. Hmm. But those things resonate with me. Yeah. Bigger foundation, the higher you can go. Seriously, that was, uh, that's the way to leave the episode on the sentiment. Rooster Grooves at SignalRadio.com. Jay Purcell. Jesse Quigley. That's Rooster Grooves. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time. Roots to Grooves is a production of Signal Radio. For more music and independent culture, visit signalradio.com. That's S-I-G-N-L radio.com.